Today's reading is from John chapter 13, verses 18 through 30. Jesus predicts his betrayal. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. Shall we pray together to start? Oh, God, you are an amazing God, and thank you that you reveal yourself to us. Thank you so much for your word, and I do pray today that you, through your spirit, would just speak into the hearts and lives of every single one of us, and that we would just be transformed to know you better and to love you better. Amen. 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 Well, um, can I start by letting you into a secret among friends? Yeah, well, a few of you have nodded, so I'll, I'll take that as acquiescence. So, um, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I was really not looking forward to preaching tonight. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I love God and I love his word and I love his church and I love you guys, but today's topics are all about betrayal and being let down. You know, those are pretty tough topics to uh, think about. Now, by betrayal, what I mean is the idea of someone severely letting you down or someone who severely breaks faith or shows disloyalty towards you. And betrayal's a pretty emotive word, isn't it? And even if we wouldn't go as far as to say, I've been betrayed, all of us, if we're honest, can think of times when we've been badly let down in our lives. I... I remember the first time I felt that I was let down and uh, I can remember the shock and the hurt and the pain and just feeling gutted and I can remember my mum came to me and she sat me down and she told me he'd left. I was gutted. How could Alan Shearer, our best ever player, have left Blackburn Rovers and transferred to another team? It was rough. But actually, 
if we're being honest, oh, the memories, um, but actually, if we're being honest, and in all seriousness, there are actually times when we're let down or we're betrayed, and it's a lot more painful than that. That thinking on it is pretty tough, and it, we're being honest, it's not something we like to do. Because it brings up a whole range of negative emotion. Sadness, hurt, pain, maybe anger and frustration at the injustice of it. Maybe it even taints the memories of positive times we've had with that person. And it can even start to affect the future. Perhaps we become a bit more cynical or grudging, a bit more bitter about life. Maybe we just become a little bit less trusting, a bit more reserved, because we just don't want to be let down again. I'm thinking on my own life. Actually, I could think of a number of times when this was the case. I remember when uh, my oldest friend uh, decided he wanted nothing more to do with me because I'd become a Christian. And not only was I really hurt, I was also really angry. Like, how dare we do this? This is so unfair and wrong. And it kind of made all of those times we'd played together as kids, it made them a bit hollow, you know? And not only that, it actually started to affect me in the now too. So whenever I start to make friends now, in the back of my head there's this little voice which is saying, well, what are they going to do when they find out you're a Christian? How are they going to react? So we need to think about this, this topic of forgiveness because it can have such a powerful effect on our lives. And the thing is, as Christians, we believe that God speaks into and transforms every area of our life. And that includes the areas of betrayal and being let down. Not only that, we, we, we want to honour God with every single bit of our life. And that means these really tough bits, like being let down, as well as the nicer things. So it's something, even though it's hard to do, that we need to discuss together. And if you're not a Christian here today, well, you're still going to have people letting you down in life. You know, that's not something that you can avoid. And you're still going to have to have ways for you to deal with it. And so, this is a relevant topic for us all. And I'd like to gently ask, how are you doing with it? How are your strategies for dealing with it going? And I'd like to maybe gently suggest that there's a better way for dealing with betrayal. Well, the good news is that these passages that we're looking at today, well, they give us some really good ways of dealing with betrayal well. And uh, the passage that was read in uh, John 13, well, that gives us a fantastic uh, way of looking into betrayal and seeing how we can do that. And this uh, passage, it comes, it's set at Jesus' last meal. It's the last meal he has with his disciples, his closest friends. And it comes in John's Gospel, in his biography, right after Jesus has washed the disciples' feet. Now, back then, and well, I guess now as well, it was a pretty disgusting task. It's not something that we really want to do. But back then, it was just especially uh, disgusting, this idea of washing people's feet, because the roads, they were all made of kind of mud and dirt, and they wore sandals, so you can get the picture, it's going to be pretty grim. And so it was often a uh, kind of job for the lowest servant or slave. And yet Jesus humbles himself to doing this for the disciples. And it's a great picture of Jesus' servant-hearted leadership, and just how far he was willing to go for the disciples. 
But it also kind of serves as a, an encouragement for us to serve one another in that kind of way. But the fact that this comes right before Jesus predicted betrayal kind of just go to show us how surprising and how unwarranted this betrayal was. The fact that they're next to each other in John's Gospel only go to highlight the unwarranted nature of this betrayal and show us that we are looking at a deep, painful, personal betrayal and injustice. But in it and through it, we see how we can deal with betrayal and being let down well. Now, in this passage, there are a couple of things I'd like us to notice. Two things, in fact. Uh, Firstly, the fact that actually this is a really painful betrayal and one that Jesus experiences to the full. And secondly, I'd like us to notice that actually Jesus is in complete and utter control. And these two things from this passage hopefully give us a bit more of a framework for dealing with being let down. Well, let's start with the, uh, the first one, this idea that this is a deep personal betrayal. Now, uh, Jesus uh, starts, we, we, we see this in many ways. Firstly, Jesus says that he is troubled in spirit, verse 21. Now, as a school worker, I know that language changes all the time. It's something that in my role I struggle to keep up with. So, for, the, for example, the idea that sick actually means good confuses me. Or I've recently learned, uh, I, I, please don't try this one, uh, I've re- recently learned that actually Netflix and chill is nothing at all to do with your favourite TV programme. You get the picture. Actually, language changes. And today, if I were to ask you how, you how you are, well, actually, you wouldn't say to me, oh, I'm troubled in spirit. How, how are you doing? Oh, I'm troubled in spirit. But back then, it was a phrase which was more commonly used. And it shows us that Jesus is facing a deep betrayal. Because it kind of means to be absolutely gutted, distraught, distressed, overwhelmed by it. And Jesus is feeling all of these things because he is being let down by someone who is a close personal friend. And as we look at that, we start to see, we start to get a bit more appreciation for the depth of the betrayal. But Jesus also referred to a a psalm in verse 18. uh, He refers here to uh, Psalm 41 verse 9. He who has shared my bread has turned against me. And one of the key reasons that Jesus uh, refers to this psalm is to help transmit to us how deep a betrayal this is. You see, this uh, psalm was written hundreds of years earlier by King David when he was betrayed. When King David was betrayed by his son Absalom and his counsellor, hang on, Ahithopel, or Pel, we're going to call him for short. So when we look back, at David's betrayal and the writing of this psalm, we can start to draw links or parallel to Jesus' betrayal and start to see a bit more of what's going on. And there are absolutely tons of similarities. Uh, firstly, there's the intimacy. I know we've talked about this a lot, but uh, Psalm 41, verse 9 in full, even my closest friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. Now, this speaks of an intimate betrayal. I mean, I'm pretty game for getting food off most people, but back 
back then, this was something that you only did with trusted, trusted, closest companions. The act of having a meal together was not only a great honour, but it was a sign, it was a declaration of deep friendship and trust. And that's what we see, that both for Jesus and for David, both were betrayed by someone they had a deep, personal, intimate relationship with. For David, that was his own son and one of his closest, trusted, most high-up counsellors. And for Jesus, it was a guy who he'd spent the last three years investing in, pouring his life out into, someone who he'd shared the highs and the lows, the hardships and the good times with for the last three years. And yet, despite all of that intimacy, Jesus is betrayed. Both David and Jesus' betrayal also show us the spiritual wrongness against it of this whole betrayal, because David was chosen by God to be king of Israel. And Jesus is God's chosen king, the Messiah. So it's the spiritual wrongness in this, because it's again God's chosen one. Also, both uh, David and Jesus' betrayal show that actually they were completely against them. David's betrayal, this wasn't uh, a case of them just wanting the king to be stopped from making an edict or an alliance with a certain nation. No, they wanted to see David dead and have Absalom appointed as king. And in a similar way, well actually, they didn't just want uh, in this betrayal for Jesus to not go to a certain place or to mess up a sermon, but rather it's a betrayal that leads to his death. Both uh, betrayal come in the face of overwhelming kindness. So uh, David had already forgiven forgiven his son Absalom for uh, a a huge wrongdoing that he'd done. He'd forgiven him and brought him back to court. He'd shown him overwhelming kindness. And this was the response. And and in a similar way, uh, Jesus, well, he'd chosen the disciples and poured out his life into them. So So the betrayal comes in the face of overwhelming kindness. And both betrayals involve public shame and cause great distress to those around them. David, as he had to flee Jerusalem with his closest followers and family, and for Jesus, as he dies a humiliating death on a cross, and the disciples fearing, are they going to be next? As we draw comparisons between these two, we start to see the extent of the betrayal and we start to understand a little bit more about how significant this was to Jesus. Second thing to notice though, is do you notice that Jesus is in complete control? Uh, The second reason that uh, Jesus quotes Psalm 41 is to show that he knows that he's going to be betrayed. You see, he knew that when David wrote this psalm hundreds of years before, it was predicting or prophesying that he was going to be betrayed by someone close to him. And Jesus is acknowledging that and saying, I know this was going to happen. And in fact, if we look at verse 19, we see that Jesus says, I'm telling you this before it happens. And in verses 23 to 27, when Peter tried to persuade John, who, who along with Judas is sat next to Jesus, to tell them which one it is, well, Jesus is able to identify who it is who will betray him. Jesus fully knows the score. He knows what's going on. And even when Jesus announces who it is who's going to betray him, we don't see the fiery 
denunciation of someone who's lost his temper, but rather he calmly and quietly only tells John who it is. And in verse 27, uh, we even see uh, Jesus instruct Judas to get on with it. What you are about to do, do it quickly. Now it's important here that we recognise that this is not Jesus encouraging Judas to betray him. But rather, having, Judas having made that decision, Jesus is encouraging him to get that terrible act out of the way. You see, as G- Judas takes the dipped bread from the dish which Jesus gives him, which in itself is an act of honour, a bit like proposing a toast at a wedding, in that moment, he decided he's going to go through with his plan and betray Jesus. You know, Jesus is there showing him his love and honour, and Judas perhaps has even overheard what, what, what Jesus has said to John. Uh, if we looked at uh, this, uh, this event in Matthew and the fact that uh, Judas is only the other side of Jesus and John, well, it kind of indicates that that's perhaps the case. But regardless, Jesus honours Judas and Judas doesn't confess. He doesn't repent and change his plans, but rather he brazenly accepts the bread, determined to go ahead with his plan. So, so Jesus isn't encouraging Judas to betray him, but he's telling Judas to get it over with now that Judas has made that decision. But Jesus is still in complete control. And I think Jesus' control is also shown by the fact that none of the disciples have a clue what is going on or who it's going to be. Uh, you look at verse 22, they say they're at a loss to know which one of them it is. And then, even after Jesus had told them this, and then as he's having a conversation with Judas, they, too, they still can't reconcile those two things. They can't imagine that Jesus is talking to Judas about this betrayal. They think it must be for some other reason. Verse 29. And that shows us this is not an obvious betrayal. This isn't something that, humanly speaking, was on the cards. It was obvious it was bound to happen. But rather, this is, humanly speaking, a complete shock to everyone. But not to Jesus. Jesus isn't surprised. He's in complete control. Now, before we go into thinking, how does this help us deal with betrayal and being let down? I don't know about you, but I'm faced with an even bigger question. Why on earth would Jesus let himself be betrayed? If he knows about it, why doesn't he do something about it? And that becomes an even more pertinent question because Jesus knows the results of his betrayal. Uh, look with me at Luke 18:32-33. Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles, that's the non-Jews. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day he will rise again. So Jesus knows that this betrayal is going to result in a humiliating death on a cross. So why does he allow it? Well, the reason that Jesus allows this is because he's dealing with a bigger betrayal. He's dealing with our betrayal of God. He's dealing with my and your rejection of God. You see, the Bible tells us that God created us, and he created us primarily for a relationship with him. 
And that God gave us this amazing world with all its goodness in it for us to enjoy. And at the forefront of that enjoyment, indeed our very purpose was to be in that relationship with God, with him at the centre of our lives. Thing is, every one of us betrays God. We all reject God and decide to put ourselves at the centre of the li- our lives. We decide that we're going to call the shots, not him. And this betrayal of God, our rejecting of him, well that leaves us separate from God. Not just for now, but for eternity. And the Bible calls this separation from God and everything good, hell. And that's the challenge facing each and every one of us. That's the consequence of our betrayal of God, being separate from him for eternity. Yet in Jesus, God in human form, we see the betrayed taking on the punishment of the betrayer. Jesus lived the perfect life, yet when he died on the cross, he took the punishment of our betrayal of God, being separate from him, in our place. So when we put our trust in Jesus, we can come back into a relationship with God, not just for now, but forever. And it's a twofold trust. Firstly, trusting that Jesus, as he died on the cross, took the punishment for our betrayal of God in our place. And it's trusting Jesus as Lord of our life, which basically means that we allow him to call the shot. And so before we can even begin to consider how we deal well with being let down, we need to consider our response to our betrayal of God. As we explore this topic of uh, betrayal, well, in John 13 we are confronted with our betrayal of God. A betrayal that has much more serious consequences. And if you haven't yet responded to your betrayal of God by putting your trust in Jesus, then the invitation is there to do so. Jesus is offering us a way back into a relationship with God, not just for now, but for all time, with our betrayal of God forgiven. Jesus allows himself to be betrayed to the cross so that he can deal with the biggest betrayal of all time, our rejection of God. Now you might be sitting there thinking, well actually I don't really think I've betrayed anyone, much less God. But as I thought on this, I think, well, actually we're really quick to know when we've been let down, although close to us have. We're quick to recognise and uh, to, to, to get angry and upset when friends, family and even ourselves are wronged or betrayed or let down. And not only that, if you think on many of the stories that we read or watch, well they're full of betrayal, aren't they? And we just get outraged when our favourite characters are wronged. And it got me thinking, well what's the difference between our lives and the stories we read and our betrayal of God? And I think the difference is that we know the people. You see, it's really hard for us to think that we've betrayed someone when we don't actually know them. It's really hard to recognise that we've let someone down when we don't really know them or we don't really know even that they exist. It's hard to make that connection. So if we knew more of who God is, if we knew more of his power and his love, his goodness, his might and his majesty, if we knew that, well, then we 
recognise our betrayal of him a lot more. And so if you're struggling to connect with this idea that Jesus died for your betrayal, can I invite you to spend some time getting to know God better? To spend some time getting to know God and his character? To explore whether he even exists and if he does exist, what he, is he like? I'm thinking about, well, what are my thoughts and actions in relation to this? And as a church, we would love to help you do that. So, so before we go any further, the first implication is that we need to deal with our betrayal of God. We need to ask Jesus into our lives, or at the very least, investigate who it is that we have betrayed. Well, maybe you've done that. Maybe you've uh, trusted Jesus with your life. How does this passage help us with being let down? Well, I think firstly, it encourages us to come to God. Because God totally emphasises and understands the hurt and the pain that we feel when we've been let down. You know, as we looked at the comparison between David and Jesus, we see that actually Jesus experiences the full range of emotions that we feel when we've been let down, when we've been betrayed. The hurt, the sadness, the injustice, the humiliation, the powerlessness of it all. And when we recognise that, as we recognise that Jesus understands how we feel because he himself has felt it, well, that enables us to come to him. Because there's something amazingly freeing in coming to someone who empathises. You know, the last couple of years, my, my wife and I, we've, we've been dealing with infertility. And I ha- have to say that the support in Mosaic has been absolutely fantastic. It's been just so valued and appreciated. It, it's been a real blessing. And if I'm honest, it's been an absolute lifesaver. But as we've gone on this journey, one thing that surprised me is that actually it's also been helpful meeting up with other couples facing infertility. It's been really surprising that actually, even though we don't really have much in common, and even though we don't really know these people, there's an immediate deep connection. There's an immediate deep connection that comes because they understand the challenges and they understand the emotions that we're feeling because they're facing those same emotions and challenges. And it's a little bit like that in one respect with Jesus. That because Jesus understands and has experienced the full weight of the worst betrayal ever, that means he understands how we're feeling and the situation that we're in. He understands the same pain, the same hurt, the same powerlessness and sadness and of, of it all. That Jesus totally understands and empathises with our position should draw us to come to God when we are betrayed and let down and just pour out our heart to God. And, and, and another of the comparisons I like with Psalm 41 is that both Psalm 41 and many of the other Psalms, they get this. They, they, they just do that. They come to God and they pour out their hearts when they are betrayed and hurting. So firstly, when we're betrayed, when we're let down, we need to pour out our heart to God. We need to come close to him. Secondly, it it enables us to forgive. 
You see, in Matthew 18, Jesus uh, gives a parable or a story to help us understand why we should forgive. He he tells a story of a servant who owes a huge sum of money, say a million pounds to his master. And the guy can't pay. And yet the master let the servant off. Thing is, this very same servant, he's also owed by another servant a relatively small amount, say £100. But when the other servant can't pay, well, he gets the man put in jail for not paying his debt. And when the master finds out about this, well, quite rightly, the master is furious at the guy's actions and at the guy's heart. The fact that a man who had been let off such a huge debt can't forgive even a little. And it's not a hard story to understand, is it? That we who have been forgiven a lot by God are betrayal of the God Almighty himself. But we who have been forgiven so much are to forgive the relative little that we've been wronged. Now as I say this, please don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that the uh, betrayals that we face aren't important. I'm not saying that they're not significant. I'm not saying that they're not painful. And I'm not saying that they don't have consequences. But what I am saying is that in comparison to our betrayal of God, well, in comparison to that betrayal, which is so huge it's off the scale, it's relatively little. And if Jesus can forgive us for that huge betrayal, then we can forgive others when they let us down. But not only are we called to forgive, but actually forgiveness is freeing. You know, I work in schools and a lot of the young people that I work with, they, they have a lot of issues around this uh, area of unforgiveness. There's a lot of anger and bitterness, holding on to grudges, and they are really, it, it's the focus of the life. And you know what, these young people, they have been wrong. They've, they've, they've had some really raw deals. They, they've got parents who have left or who are on drugs and just can't care for them. They have been wrong. But as we explore it, we start to recognise that actually the one most hurt by them not being able to move on, the one most hurt by them not focusing, or rather focusing on the betrayal rather than on life itself, well, it's them. They're the ones who aren't able to focus on the present and the future and are just looking into the past. They're the ones who are now distrusting and can't form meaningful relationships with people. They're the ones with anger issues, which means that they're, that they're being sent out of lessons in school. And one of the things in my job is we've got a ton of different resources and activities that illustrate this. My favourite being glove Jenga, when you try playing Jenga with thick winter gloves on. But they all come back to this point. The unforgiveness, ultimately doesn't benefit us and the people who suffer the most are ourselves and that doesn't just go for the teenagers that I work with but that's the case for each and every one of us so we are called to forgive by Jesus because we've been forgiven so much by God but also because it's so so freeing and enables us to live our life and continue to live our life And the great thing is that as Christians that we have the power
power and the reason to forgive through Jesus forgiving us. So being let down, being betrayed, yes, it's tough. Yes, it hurts. And yes, it's hard. Oh, it's so very hard. But we can be confident that we can come to God as, we, as he knows our pain. He empathises with our pain. And he will be with us in the midst of those letdowns and betrayal. And we can know the forgiveness and the freedom of forgiving because we've been given the gift of forgiveness from Jesus. Shall we pray together? If the band could come back up, that would be great. Oh Jesus, thank you so, so much that you are with us even in the most difficult of circumstances. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us in the hurt and the betrayal and the pain of being let down. And I really do pray for each and every one of us here that, Jesus, that we will go on a journey, even though it's hard, even though it's tough, that we would engage with that. And as we engage with our letdowns, as we engage with our betrayals, that we would firstly see how much you love us and how much you have forgiven our wronging of you. But I pray that as we go through this, we would also be able to deal with the hurt and the pain in our life. That we'd be able to deal with the letdowns and the betrayal. That we would be able to just come to you and pour out our heart. Thank you, Jesus, that you are withered in amongst that betrayal. Thank you, Jesus, that you totally understand and we have such a deep connection with you. And Jesus, I pray that you would help us to forgive that we who have been forgiven much will be able to forgive the little we've been, that we've been wronged. Jesus, this is really hard, this is really difficult, and I just pray through your spirit, and as we minister to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would empower us to engage with this and come before your throne. And we ask this for your glory. Amen.